What's up? This is Taylor Waithoffer, and this episode of Disruption Nation is sponsored by Chance Brown with CBNA Realtors. All right. Welcome to Disruption Nation show podcast platform where we uh, take people that are disrupting their space in a positive way. Bill's obviously doing that on the cover, Wrecking Shop in the Heights. Great name, great reputation. Uh, first appointment for the mayor of Houston. And uh, I mean, God could go on and on. I got a couple accolades that I wanted to make sure that I did get to highlight. And then uh, before I kind of, you know, start grilling you on some questions here, but lots of charities, lots of charities. I'm going to read off a couple of them just because I think that they're noteworthy. I know that you're going to, you know, talk about one specifically here in a minute, but um, check this out. So this is just in 2020 alone, Fifth War Community Redevelopment um, Corporation, Link Houston, New Leaders Council Houston, Houston Pet Set. Are you a native Houstonian? Yes, I am. Yeah. Well, I started out here, moved to Huntsville in third grade, but I, I mean, yeah. I was born here. We lived in the athletic dorm at the University of Houston when I was born. Oh, me too. Native Houstonian. That's awesome. There's just Houston, all these, man. Air Alliance Houston, Houston Freedmen's Town Conserv uh, Conservancy, uh, the Heart Program, Montrose Center, Recipe for Success Foundation, the Coalition for uh, Environment, Equity, and Resilience, the Houston GLBT Political Caucus. Caucus. Oh, thank you. Uh, Planned Parenthood, Gulf Coast, and then uh, and then we're talking about you know one that's not even on here. So I like what you did there. You know you can't leave anything out. All right, uh, but yeah, Huntsville went to Sam Houston. Got two kids. Uh, congratulations on that, by the way. Ginger yeah. and uh, and then Richard. He's about to graduate. So no, he graduated. Uh, he, he oh, graduated. that's already happened. Everybody's already graduated. Happened. Yep. Cool. Got him off the payroll. I did good. good. <laughs> mostly, <laughs> mostly. They're never really off no, the payroll. No, totally. Mostly. Hey, look, I think I don't know. my sister. If you're watching this, I'm calling you out. I think she might still have a credit card. Maybe. I don't know. I'm like, then I got cut off when I was like 20, you know? No. So mm -mm. anyway, anyway. All right. Um, what else do I got here? So 2000, uh, a couple years ago, what was it? Um, you had 46 out of, uh, you're ranked number 46, your office Boulevard Realty out of 4,259 firms in total sales. That's awesome. Yeah. As far as the inner loop, they placed top 10. And I don't know if this is still accurate. I probably should ask you, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, this is what I got here. 60 agents. And, um, and then this is, this is probably still, how many agents do you have? 65. 65. Okay. And then a uh, three to one, you know, uh, ratio with, you know, uh, support staff. So 20 employees for those 65 people. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And you need that. And I, I don't know how often that happens um, per firm you know around town so that's uh that's remarkable and anyways Bob, thanks for being here you know we uh we're happy happy to have you so um let's let's kind of let's kind of dig in you know I, we were talking about some of the the disruptions i guess in the uh in, in the market and what are some of the ones that that um where do you want to start, sir? Which <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with technology. Yeah, let's start with let's technology it, replaces it. real estate agents or does it enhance our ability to do our job better? And I look at real estate firms. What type of firm are they? There are technology firms, there are marketing firms, and then there's kind of these brick and mortar people that are not known for either one of those two things in particular. And so I think what we have to see as technology continues to disrupt the consumer's experience, is it enhancing our ability to help them or are we being replaced? 
really, we have to redefine the value of a real estate agent. We don't get paid to find houses. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's not it anymore. They know about them before I do. They get pinged by Zillow before I even know about them. They barely need me to even let them in the door anymore. There's plenty of firms out there that'll just give them the code and let them look at it themselves. Finding the house isn't what we get paid to do. <laughs> so let's talk about what we do get paid to do, which is to ensure the transaction works well, that ensures that we explain the neighborhood that they're buying into and the value perception of that home as it fits into others in that particular neighborhood. Are we explaining the process of deed restrictions and lot restrictions and the impact of investments in the city from bond elections and from, you know, capital improvement projects or public work projects? What's the impact of crime or homelessness or the change of I-45 or how is flooding fit into their past and their future? The, that's the value of a real estate agent, knowing something and bringing something that the consumer doesn't already have. They right. know the taxable value. They know the Zillow estimate. They know how big it is. They know where it is. What they don't know is other things. And we bring added value by being able to transfer that information and give it to them seamlessly. People want both, you know I mean? Yeah. We were talking about that. It's just like, okay, you know, tech's great, but you know, you, you need to be all, all about, all about both. And I mean, and that, 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 I mean, that's, that's right up your alley. And I guess the real yeah. estate, if you're going to be, if you decide you want to be a real estate agent, you, you better be a people person, <laughs> you know, figure that one out real quick. So um, what are, uh, what are, what are some of the, I guess, I guess fear bubbles that you could pop with some of the uh, technology that, you know, agents, you know, it's, you know, and I'm not going to slam anyone. You just got to be realistic about it. I mean, many of these companies entering into our markets have never made a profit, you know, and like, I'm not, I'm just, the fact is compass can lose $270 million and they gained a heck of a lot of market share. If I had $270 million to invest and lose market share, I could, I could gain market share also that way. I don't have $270 million to lose. And so I can't compete with them on that arena. I've got to pivot and be able to compete another way. So dealing with, you know, and whether that's open door or sidekick or whatever the next one is next week, because there will be more that <laughs> we're not done with these disruptions of just <laughs> massive companies, you know, that, that may make money or they may not, or they may not be here five years from now. I, I don't know, but I know that I have to deal with the reality of what it is here today and not lose sight of my added value perception of what it is that we can bring. I can't be that international company. I don't have those sort of resources. What I do have is something that they don't have. And look, I have firms call my 60 agents every day. Sometimes they call them four times a day. And the one thing my agents turn around and say is what you, you do have technology. You do have some market share. What you don't have is Bill Baldwin as your broker who knows more about the city than you do. And, right. and look, Robert Redfield, he's win. called my agents and tried to lure them over. And, and, and he can't know as much as I do about the city of Houston and our rules and regulations and the permitting process and development patterns of neighborhoods and how an unzoned city continues to evolve over time. So, I mean, there are things that I have that they don't have. And there are things that they have that I can learn from also. So, I mean, being able to compete in a global environment, whether, and that's, look, every industry is facing the exact same thing. Hotels with a Airbnb or small little vendors compared to major retailers. I mean, how does a small guy compete with the Walmarts of the world? 
they can compete. Someone does not want to do business with Walmart and only wants to do business with a small person. Someone only wants to do business with a Houston-owned company. They don't want the profits to go oh, to yeah. New York City or or back to an investor from Saudi Arabia or China. You know, they want an investment to, that pays off in Houston. And that's it's why we talk about those nonprofits and those charity deals. I have to give back to our communities. When people come and say, Oh, you know, well, someone else will do it cheaper. Yeah, but had they spent 25 years investing in these neighborhoods, investing in these schools, right. investing in these pet groups, investing in, you know, women's rights and gay rights and African-American rights. And look, we put our money back to work in the neighborhoods that we live, work and play in also all the city to build an equitable city for everyone a city for the future, for our children and your children, the children that aren't even born yet. I didn't start this yesterday. I spend my time, more than my money, to ensure that the city is a better place for all of us to live. And yeah, there's some cost associated with that. Uh, and I just think that people need to recognize who you do business with matters and what they do with their money matters. Are they reinvesting it back into these local communities? Are they sending it off somewhere else? I could care less about the stupid stock market and the share of the price of stock for Rex or Zillow or Open Door or Compass or any of those things. I don't think that's a good indication of the value of a company. The value is what are we giving back? What difference are we really making? What kind of lifestyle are we creating for our agents and for the people who are doing business with us? How are we servicing them? Not after the sale immediately, but for years and years and years and years, helping people with homeowners insurance quotes and referrals for a gutter person and recommendations for a new restaurant or all these things are just as important being plugged into your neighborhoods, being plugged in and giving back makes it makes a difference to someone It may not make a difference to some guy looking for the cheapest real estate transaction or somebody who wants a 1% kickback. And those people are out there and they'll find someone to kick back the money, they'll find someone to do it for $500. Sure. They won't do it as well or as ethically or as knowledgeable as I will. And there are plenty of people just like myself in our industry. So dealing yeah, with these sort of disruptions, you know, the financial disruption, the technological, technological disruptions or whatever, and, and charting a clear path forward, you know, growth. I mean, chance is a perfect example. Uh, I mean, 400 agents, amazing hats off to him. I think he's doing an amazing job. I don't want 400 agents. You know why? I mean, I have always figured out from the beginning, I want to be able to talk and know and take care of everyone that works for me. I want to know their partners and their dogs and their children and their birth date. And, and there's a number that's just too big. What I lose is what is best about us. Our, the personality and the personal connection that I hold with my agents. For me, that number is about 65. We, we've had 65 for a decade now. 10 is too small and 200 is too many. I, I wouldn't be able to do what I do for 200. I speak to at least 30 of my agents a day. I speak to the top producers more than I speak to the new people. They, they are doing more transactions, have more need to confer and have consent and a little bit of advice on things. The very top producers, I literally talk to four and five times a day. You know what they're doing. Yeah, I'm with you. And then, you know, I wanted to you know, touch on that. Uh like some of the stories and the knowledge that you have from being in the city and your area and uh, you know, surrounding six ten and obviously in the, in the heights there's a there's something to be said for that and i just i just wanted to you know, you know touch on it with uh with the for the consumers you know as the professionals are you know shopping right right there with you know the yeah even for the, the agents and the consumers they need to know that information and then it's going to come back like you're giving them yeah. like you're, you're giving a lot of value i think this is it's just noteworthy you know because it's not all about just the zillow and the apps and the tech and the you know disruption or the lack thereof or whatever you know that you want to anyway 
Sorry to yeah. cut you off, but I just no, I no. Before, I mean, and I try and tell our agents focus on more. You do that more than most agents I talk to, and I mean, it comes through. It's coming through just with our conversation. And I know that every agent you talk to and every person that you know buys real estate from you, you're getting that, and that's what we're talking about as as a whole. So I just kind of wanted to, you know, it's just horror stories that I hear every day, and I probably speak to ten agents a day, not in my firm, who call to ask questions. They could ask questions on flooding, historic districts, minimum lot size, you know, any number of different yeah. things. That you know, I'm an expert. I and I tell people become an expert in something. It doesn't matter anything. I have sold more houses in historic districts than anyone else alive. I'm a historic district specialist. I have had 500 people go through the process of getting things accomplished through the historic preservation ordinance. I mean, I am a flooding expert. I'm a new construction expert. I'm, you know what I'm not? I'm not a back of the woodlands expert. I'm not a Pearland expert. I, I'm not a Galveston expert. I, you know what I want is someone who with more knowledge than me to do that transaction. I, I don't know enough about Galveston to go sell a house in Galveston. We have agents that specialize in Galveston, but I do know what my limitations are. And I tell my agent, stay in your lane. Don't try and be all things to all people. You can't do that. You know, you've got to be able to be a core specialist in, in something and then it, it'll grow from there. You'll get more specialties. But I tell people all the time, about a third of my clients are attorneys. Look, they could do these transactions themselves, but if they get a DWI, they get a DWI lawyer. If they get a divorce, they get a divorce lawyer. <laughs> if they need a bankruptcy, they get a bankruptcy yeah. lawyer. They know to stay in their lane. Realtors need to do the exact same thing. Try not to be all things to all people and don't tell people you know everything when you don't know your limitation and seek advice from other people. It's like those other agents calling me, asking me about the floodplain or the flood maps or when's this going to happen or, or historic. Many, many, many people call me and ask about. I had one the other day, they have a house and it's on 11th street and Yale and, and she was marketing it for restaurants. It's deed restricted to single family residents. It cannot be a restaurant. You do not want to, one of the first lessons I learned, I had a listing on Heights Boulevard and they wanted me to list it as commercial. It's not commercial. It's unrestricted. So they fired me. They hired someone else. They sold to a lawyer. The lawyer turned right around and sued a very well-known firm in this city that you would know because they told them it was commercial. A house on Heights Boulevard is not commercial. It's unrestricted. It can be a McDonald's. It's just not McDonald's. You got to go through the process to make it a McDonald's. And right. so these unrestricted lots doesn't mean that you can take a house and it become a daycare. It's not permitted for a daycare. It doesn't have certificate of occupancy for a daycare. It doesn't have uh, American Disabilities Act for that use. So, I mean, just because it's unrestricted doesn't make it commercial. You can vote in the Indiana election for president. You just got to move to Indiana, meet the residency requirements and register to vote in Indiana. And then you can vote in Indiana. You can't automatically vote in Indiana, right? Knowing these sort of things, being able to describe it in such a manner that people can understand uh, is, is really good. Yesterday, I was at a, a closing in Friendswood. I'm not a Friendswood specialist, but I, I did close in Friendswood. And um, I, I, my, the title company, you know, first house for these people, young couple never done it before. She was rattling off a bunch of stuff. And I you know, stopped just a moment. Let me just educate you. Here's what a title policy does. Insures from this period backwards. If you get a claim on a roofer or a tax bill from two years ago, you know, here's what you, this warranty deed, you're never going to find it again. Here's what it is. You know, here's how you apply for homestead exemption and why you can't apply until after January 1. Here's how the tax probation is going to work when you get the tax bill at the end of October, November. And I just explained it briefly. And the, the title company officer said, I've 20 years, never had an agent be able to explain it so well and so clear and concise a manner so that everyone understood it. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm just going, 
that's what 23 years of experience has taught me. You know, yeah. I used to go to these closings and they would look at the escrow officer and then turn around and look at me for me to explain it to them. It's just easier for me to explain to them. I have a relationship with them. So it makes you feel good about what it is that you're doing, right? That's what you want is a little validity in your career that you still know what you're doing and you're How do you teach your added value. How do you teach your people? Because I mean, I, I, I'm picturing you said you talk to the newer agents when you talk to the seasoned agents so, that are calling you with stuff and you're able to give them, you know, the knowledge in the game that you're talking about right now. And then boom, they can take that to their client and fix the problem or handle the situation or answer Same the as you. So when, when I first started, I used to hate these stupid sales meetings. And, and so I've only really worked for myself. It, it kind of evolved. So I never parade a bunch of people through here on Tuesdays. We don't have any title companies. We don't have any mortgage companies. We don't have anyone, a security system selling you a bunch of shit. I just don't do that. I don't like it. So I don't do it. Only I talk to my agents. I share with them experience. So when the pandemic hit, we started every day at 10 o'clock, we had a Zoom meeting and we talked about how to get a vaccine, how to apply for a PPP loan, how to independent contractors are filed for unemployment, you know, just general information, sharing yeah, information stuff. about things. And we didn't talk about real estate every day because, you know, in March and April, there wasn't a lot of real estate going on. What you wanted is connectivity. You just wanted to feel a part of that family. And we have a daily staff Zoom right. still today. I mean, noon every day at 10 a.m usually about an hour, you know, and if we don't have anything to talk about, we stop, you know, and, but it's, there's almost always something to talk about. So about half of it is just a question or an answer, what you've seen going on in the marketplace. I mean, these new contracts, you know, with the option fee being paid to the title company and how does the backup addendum work and how hard is it to get an extension? And what do we do with the option fee for the extension? Are we taking that to the title company? I mean, you got to work yourself through these sort of things because right. they, they just, they happen all the time. And there's always new experiences that can up sharing them having people feel like you know and they can send me the question before if they don't want to talk but i try and make people feel comfortable there are no bad questions believe me the top producer in my company asked me for help more than the new persons the top producers in the company had me go on listing appointments with them the top producers want to verify a value perception that they have versus me and i think that's what you want is that connectivity, that communication going on. So sharing that sort of communication, I'm really, really big into education. And, and it's hard, you know, if you have 65 and only 40 tune in, you got to tell it again to the other 20 people. So, we, I mean, we do record them. We do put them on, you know, you know, website later that they can go back and look at them. But I think just being topical, I started uh, very early on in the pandemic, you know, a market report every two weeks and we, we film it live and then we broadcast it on video. But I get, you know, Nancy Sarnoff from the Chronicle who quotes me all the time from those meetings. I get appraisers, uh, I get bankers, I get investors, I get tons of other realtors from other companies who watch my talks because there's something that they can learn from them. And I, and I think that's important. Building relationships with other realtors, I have prided myself on building relationships so that we have a rapport with people across the entire city and, and county, you know, and that's what I think people have to do is build relationships. If, if I'm going to go show in River Oaks, I'm probably going to call Laura Sweeney and say, what's the best house to go show in River Oaks? If I'm going to go show in Westview, I'm going to call Heidi Dugan and say, Heidi, what do you got coming on? You know, what's the best thing going on in Westview today? You know, you find these mentors that you can also talk to from time to time. And so I think building good relationships with same thing, title companies, mortgage companies, you know, inspectors being able to call. I call people all the time and say, tell me again about this termite versus this ant, you know, let's make sure I'm clear on how much damage they can really do. Being able to call people, having a resource of people to call is, is very important. And being there for other people is just as important. 
What's up, this is Taylor Waithoffer, and this episode of Disruption Nation is sponsored by Chance Brown with CBNA Realtors. team do you have some of your senior more veteran agents also help you with the leadership role of things so we have not- a we have an agent advisor that's that's on staff yeah, or whatever uh, that helps there and then I, I am really blessed with longevity you know so my office manager's been with me 17 years my personal assistant's been with me 17 years and wow. my next assistant's been with me 15 years so i've got a longevity thing going on there people People don't often leave like that. So having a wealth of experience and people that have been with you for a long period of time that then are also resources to the other people. Believe me, they I don't know how it. I don't know how to do anything that Thomas knows how to do. So Thomas has to- total job security over here in technology. Surround yourself with people who are smarter than you are, who know something that you don't, you know, and let them do what they do well and stay out of their way is is half the battle over here. You know, marketing, same thing. We're trying to be creative. It's, it, and we tell our agents, if you can't speak on a video, if you can't cut a commercial, if you can't cut a YouTube commercial, if you can't go describe something in an interactive manner, you're going to probably be obsolete in real estate. It's not so much about a photo of a house anymore. It's, it's no advertising is that way. If you're advertising a stove, it, the flame is going, the pot is boiling. It, the stove picture is 15 people cooking at a meal. You know what they're selling at Viking? and experience with that range. It ain't how many BTUs the stupid range is. It's what you can do with the range, right? Houses are the same way. Keep the dog on the front porch, have the owner in the swing, throw the kids in the swimming pool, have the someone actually gardening in the back. Those sort of stories or the message are way more important than a static photo going on over there. So, I mean, people are inundated with just a photo, 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 photo. So some interaction, some ability to communicate well beyond just some static photo is way more important. So that's why I think these tell, interview the owner, what, what do they love most about this house? That little 30 second testimonial will go a hell of a long way in selling a house more so than just putting 30 words in the MLS or whatever. And it's, it's the same damn 30 words that everyone else is using. Do something someone else is not doing over there. I love it. No, that is uh, that is huge. That is a great little gem right there. <laughs> so I know I know one thing, and you you touched on it briefly, but you know we we didn't you know elaborate. But I mean, I think there might be some value in it. With um, if, if you uh, if you want to go back to it, if not, that's fine. But the uh, you know some of the the flooding, your your wealth of knowledge, because we hit this. It was a year ago, but I mean, I know a lot of people got a lot of value out of it. Just um, you know, flooding insurance. I don't know if it's post. You know, I started this deal yet. because I've been seeing. You know, we we. we, we Houston floods all the time. It constantly has flooded. It has flooded since 1836 when the Allen brothers, they, they flooded themselves over here. Remember, 
the thing about Harvey is there was equitable distribution of flooding finally. If just Meyerland floods, no one in Kingwood cares. If Kingwood floods, no one in West Houston cares. You have to have equitable distribution of pain in order to have substantive change going on over there. So that's really what Harvey did. But after that, yeah, I mean, I created this three-hour class on Houston and flooding. It's very comprehensive. It was first designed just for real estate agents, although now we open it up to homeowners associations and super neighborhoods and any sort of groups. But I mean, I speak at a lot, a fair number of groups or whatever. But yeah, it's educating yourself on changes. 65% of the houses that flooded in Harvey were not in the 100 or the 500 year floodplain. Okay. The maps are wrong. The maps that we haven't mapped, we haven't mapped 2,500 miles of Harris County. So how can you tell me if this one's not in the floodplain, it's safer? Well, that's just bullshit to begin with. You are no more safe outside the floodplain than you are in the floodplain. And just because you're in the floodplain doesn't mean you're ever going to flood. You could be plenty high and never flood. We need to perceive that the entire city is in the floodplain. I mean, the whole thing is there. And so you just have to learn to live with flooding and how are we going to live appropriately. But so many people are going to get caught, both with changes to permitting and planning with regards to flooding and these subdivisions, whatever. But yeah, the flood insurance program itself is substantially changing for the first time in 45 years. And that change is imminent. It will happen sometime very, very, very soon. So all of a sudden, you won't have the same grandfathering, the same pricing structure. You won't have the... $5 million house won't pay the same as the $200,000 house that claims you ought to be able to, if your house is worth $5 million, you shouldn't be limited to $250,000. There's total, everything you know about the flood insurance program is, is going away. And at the same time, you're getting new maps and you're using greater technology than you ever had before. If you measured 12 inches of rain over 24 hours, and now we're going to measure 18 inches of rain, you can imagine the damn rainfall is significantly different in a lot of different areas. I explained to people, flood insurance, we used to think we're this close to the bayou, and so here's our risk. Now you've got to think about what's happening 60 miles upstream and what's happening two subdivisions over and what's happening with the drain under your street. It's like car insurance. We don't all just pay the same. Boys pay more than girls. People with two tickets pay more than people with no tickets. People who drive Maseratis pay more than people who drive Hyundais. I mean, it changes based on those sort of things. Houston's more expensive than Conroe. The whole program is changing. You have to learn these sort of things, and it's going to catch you. I tell people in my classes, I believe four to 500,000 houses in Harris County are too low and the insurance is going to be significantly higher in the very near future. Now, there's a cap on individual homeowners not being able to Congress pass a law, no more raising them more than 18% per year. But still, if you should pay 10000 and you're paying five hundred, your 18% won't take too long for you to get there. We have artificially kept the price of insurance low in high-risk areas, which is encouraged development in high-risk areas. I mean, we have 50,000 houses that have repetitively flooded over the last 20 years. Houses that are worth one to $200,000 that have claimed five to $10 million worth of insurance claims over the last 20 years. That doesn't make much sense. Let people flood, give them money, let them rebuild. Let people flood, give them money, let them rebuild. Let people flood, <laughs> give them money, and let them rebuild. Insanity needs to stop. And, and I believe that the plenty of people have figured out that it is going to stop. And uh, it, it's going to be a harsh reality for a number of people. If you're, I tell you, if your agent can't speak flood, get you a new agent. <laughs> because <laughs> you're going to need to know rating risk 2.0, you're going to need to know how to fly, find these new flood maps and when they're kicking in because you're going to, you are going to get your butt kicked 
when your house insurance goes up significantly, and I don't mean to scare people. That's not the point. What they should be is educated. I'm building in the hundred year floodplain right now. Three hour class on this because you know we're not you know going three hours on this topic. But <laughs> no, no. if you're an agent, you're watching, you want to you you, you want to get all of it. Where where can they find yeah, it? Yeah, they just go to hjr.com uh, and there. we put the flood classes there. And then if any, I, I go to firms. I've been, I mean, I've been to the Berkshire Hathaway firms. I went to Keller Williams. I went to Keller Williams in Spring. I mean, if an agency asks me, I'll go and I'll give it to their firm. They just need 30, 40 go. people. Title companies. I've been to a dozen title companies that that produced it. So I'm happy to do it again. In person very soon, I hope. <laughs> got it. Okay, cool. So um, I got a couple questions for you before I uh, sign us out of here. So um, what's what, what would you say, Bill, for you has been, because, you know, we talked, like I was saying earlier, right when the pandemic happened or whatever, what's been the best, worst part in the last I don't know, 15 months or so? You know, I'm a people person. I like to be in person. I like interaction. I don't even really like these interactive video things. I'd rather be in person because I think you, you do lose a little something by not being in person. But yeah, this technology has helped us to do things we had never done before, you know, have greater participation in some things. But but I did learn connectivity and, and the truth. I mean, real information. What What is the real information about vaccines and about testing and, and about whatever. I mean, you got to get the truth out there. And, and it's the state of the market, know the state of the market. You know, it's micro. It's not the state of the market in general. It's what's happening in Briar Grove Section 17 is different from, you know, Southgate, you know, and so you've got a, it's a micro market sort of thing when different markets perform differently at different times. And so, you know, being educated all the time about new information, staying up to date about the truth is, is really important. This is going to be an impossible question for you coming up, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What's your favorite restaurant and what do you order there? Cultivari is my favorite restaurant in the entire city. I think they're the best trained, most down to earth, fresh, local, changing the menu every day based on what's out in that garden. I, I don't think you can beat it. And it's not pretentious and it's not, you know, it's, it's not fancy, but it's, it is the best restaurant in the city by far. And what was your next question? Uh, what do you order there? What's the name of it? What's the name of it? Cultivari. It's uh, it's on White Oak at Arlington and the Heights or whatever. Uh, Cultivari. I wear jeans and a t-shirt. Sometimes I wear shorts. I go a lot on Sunday afternoon. Great pizza, great salad, the best chicken, the best black pepper pasta, total ingredients based on the garden, whatever's growing that day. That's Took cool. out the parking lot and put yeah, in a garden. Cultivari. You got to go. Yeah, you, you're one of like a short list that I would text and be like, hey, you know, let's You know, I go to little independent restaurants every day, you know, Roost, Riel, Nobis. There's tons of great little neighborhood restaurants that you can just walk into that, that are regular. Yeah, it's like Cheers. I mean, better than a Google search when you know somebody that knows. There you go. All right. What's your favorite kind of music? Country music, Blake Shelton. We play a lot of Blake Shelton over here at Boulevard Realty. All right. There you go. Dream car. Dream car. There you go. Dream car? A dream car. I drive my dream car. I drive a Land Rover. I, I bought my Land Rover when I was 40. I love my Land Rover. I'm on my sixth uh, Range Rover. It's the perfect size, perfect amount of prestige. It's perfect. not too pretentious. Uh, I like yeah. my Range Rovers. There you go. All right. What about your favorite uh, vacation spot? Cartagena, Colombia. If you've never been to Cartagena, you should go to Cartagena. It's a mix of old and new. It's the one of the wa uh, world's largest walled cities that still has indigenous people and adjacent to it are the most beautiful skyscrapers on earth right on the beach. It's very narrow. My daughter wants to get married there. I mean, Cartagena is a pretty amazing place. I've seen Facebook. I've seen your Facebook pictures from being over there. So awesome. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite product or brand, sir, that you could not live without? 
product or brand? Uh, Billy Reed. I'm a Billy Reed specialist. Uh, Billy Reed's a Southern uh, fashion producer from yeah. Alabama, Florence, Alabama. He made it on uh, in New York, then moved back to Florence. Everything is designed in Florence. They use locally weaved products from America. It's very fashionable, but yeah, I'm a Billy Reed kind of guy. Billy Reed. There you go. All right. Favorite book? Uh, or, yeah. Favorite book? You know, I tell people, I get asked that question a lot because I'm a big book person. I, I read a lot of books. Uh, the Road Less Traveled. If you're not a fan, if you haven't read The Road Less Traveled and read it about every decade of your life, it'll, it'll change your life. And it's pretty good perspective on... The Road Less Traveled, is that he said? The Road Less Traveled in Scott Peck or whatever. Yeah, it's a great book. You morning reader, night reader? I read every... I mean, I'm very... I'm very uh, ritual kind of person. Every morning I get up and have two cups of coffee and I read local papers. I read the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times and the local paper, no matter where I am. If I'm in Cartagena, I read the Cartagena local paper. If I'm in Austin, I read the Austin local paper. Yeah, I read uh, the papers every morning and yeah, I read every night. I, I go to bed. Usually I go to bed early around 9, 9.30. I read, I'm reading uh, Memorial by Brian Washington. He's a Houston author, young, black, african-american gay this is his first novel uh, obama put it on his top list or whatever it, it, it's your there'll be a movie about it it's based in houston it's memorials based on memorial drive but it's a relationship between two guys and their families and houston and it's all houston oriented it's called memorial brian washington he's a great author then that's out, that's out already it's out yep yep yeah. been out about six months thank you for that, thank you for that. um what about a hobby or special talent that you got that maybe most people don't. I have no special talents whatsoever. Um, that's your special talent. You know, hurt your special talent. <laughs> yeah, writing. I'd like to be the great American novelist. I just can't seem to make a living in that. And so I, we have written a book. It's not out yet, but it should be out later this year. It's called Heroes, Hope, and High Water. And it's lessons from Harvey. It has nothing really just to do about Harvey, but it's lesson. You know, everyone needs help from time to time. Yeah. Treat people with respect. Look people in the eye. I mean, some lessons. I was fortunate I got to go give the commencement address at Sam Houston, and this was the basis of that commencement That's address. Awesome. Uh, and it was pretty, uh, just life lessons that I've learned, uh, yeah. especially when life beats you down after an event, whether that's a pandemic or snowmageddon or a hurricane, how do we get through those sort of things? And what are, what are the lessons learned that would probably be good lifelong lessons to live by? Love Heroes, it. hope, and high water. I mean, I, I could almost regurgitate the exact same things. I'm finishing my book called Shock Value. And it's about my life lessons from, yeah. you know, stuff in my world. So, all right. And uh, last but not least, what's the best advice you ever got? And who, who gave it to you? Uh, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And you just got to get going on that journey. No matter where it is that you want to go, you just got to get started. And it's just one step at a time. And it was a little plaque that my sister gave me when I was in high school and junior at a very bad time in life. And uh, it's been very inspirational to me. That's awesome. Well, Bill, thank you for being here today, man. I really appreciate you a lot. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity and I uh, look forward to visiting again soon. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's it, guys. Disruption Nation. Uh, check us out on your favorite podcast platform, app, YouTube, social. You know, we're, we're easy to find. So, um, but thanks for tuning in. We drop one of these every Tuesday at two. And, um, and that's it. If you know somebody you think would be a good guest, you, know, you can reach out to us and let us know. And uh, we'd be happy to have a conversation about it. But until next time, we'll see you soon. Bill Taylor signing off.